one ingredient does not a cocktail make, but it's a great place to begin. Our guest is breaking it all down for us in his new YouTube channel, and that's not the only thing on his plate. I'm Susan Schwartz, your drinking companion, and this is Lush Life Podcast. Every week we are inspired to live life one cocktail at a time. By the way, did you know I have a weekly newsletter? It's delivered to your inbox every Tuesday with info on what I'm drinking, links to new cocktail recipes, and so much more. You can join the fun by signing up for it at alushlifemanual.com. You also get a free goodie. One Thing Drinks, Jack Waring's new YouTube channel, may have started off during lockdown, but now it has its own permanent home. Not that he doesn't have anything else to do with his time. Jack is also global brand ambassador for Porter's Gin, whose mission is to respect tradition while innovating, thus to avoid cliches. From his work at Dandelion to Porter's Gin and One Thing Drinks, there was loads to talk about. But before we get to that, I wanted to thank Porter's Gin for sponsoring the transcript of this podcast. You can find a link to it at my homepage, alushlifemanual.com. Now to Jack. I am so excited to be drinking this Negroni <laughs> that you sent me. I love the idea of sending a Negroni. Yes, and right. so, so thank you. Cheers. Oh, I'm so cheers. glad it was yours. It's a great idea. So cheers. <laughs> cheers. Mm, what a great way to start a show. Right? Yeah, as, as, as if only every show could start like this, right? I Exactly. Every show, every TV show, every film, everything. <laughs> so I'm taking one more sip. Mm, and then we'll delve right in. So Jack Waring. Hi. Brand ambassador, Porter's Gin. I want to know how you got there, how you got to the big leagues, what, you know, dandelion, photography, everything. So nice. where I usually start is where you grew up. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Uh, so I way grew back up, when. Yeah. Wait, wait, yeah. This is, yeah. Um, so I grew up in uh, a little place called Northampton, which mm -hmm. is um, kind of like an hour and a half north of London. It's, um, it's a nice enough town, rugby town. Um, you know, grew up in a family full of rugby heads. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it was a nice enough place. Went to college there for a little while. Um, they're very famous for shoes. Um, yeah, the, the, there's a shoe museum in Northampton, which actually has like the, the famous shoes of like of rock. And so they have like David Bowie shoes. They have, uh, Elton John shoes. They have like, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, it is a rock in town. I love shoes, but we're, yeah. that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> well, actually, podcast. Uh, what was it? It was, um, Kinky Boots is set there. You know, the, the oh, yeah, musical. Of course. Yeah. That's set in Northampton. So that's Northampton. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, there's, uh, there's, there's shoes make it famous. And then there's the, the big Carlsberg brewery, which is like the thing in town. Um, that's, mm -hmm. that's pretty much it other than rugby. Did you have to drink Carlsberg when you were growing up? Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, it was, it was Carlsberg export. It was three pounds, 10 a pint and, uh, you'd have three and that would be your night because it's like six and a half percent or whatever. Um, oh, cool. that, <laughs> that, that was like the regular, regular thing to drink. Yeah. <laughs> well, the rumor is that you study photography. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I started, um, I started off, so I didn't go straight into uni. Um, I had a couple of years out. I was I actually started work as a mechanic, um, at a go-kart circuit, which was awesome. Oh it was really, really good fun actually. Um, super long hours, you know, you'd get there at like six in the morning, you'd leave at midnight. Um, but really good fun. And end up of the day like completely caked in oil and like exhaust fumes and stuff, and you have to scrub your skin raw to get like oil off your hands. But it was did really you good fun. Did you drive them? Is that the right word? Yeah. Did you yeah. go? Yes. You drove them as well as? Uh, yeah. Yes, I know. Did you compete? No, no. I'm, I'm a little bit too heavy to compete. Unfortunately, you got to be somewhat oh. of a jockey. I'm about the right size, but I'm a little bit too heavy. So uh, it's um, and then you also have to start driving at like six or something in order to kind of build up the muscle memory and stuff so I started a little bit late in the game um but this was something just to just to earn money whilst I was studying um and I started off actually studying uh, sculpture um so I wanted to be a sculptor when you know finished school and everything and um 
and yeah, that's what I wanted to get into. And uh, my my tutor, uh, who was was teaching me at the time, I was making lots of stuff to do with photography. So I was making cameras from like bits and pieces that I found around. I used to make um, cameras from like TV sets and like mannequins and like anything I could get my hands on, like paint cans and stuff I used to make cameras from. Um, and they pushed me into photography because I figured, well, I spoke with my mum about this and she said, there's no money in sculpture. Like, you, <laughs> how are you gonna get paid doing sculpture? So um, yeah, we, I went into photography being a bit, bit more of a, like a legit kind of moneymaker kind of scheme. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I moved down to Guildford to study that, which was really good fun. Um, and I, I, so I studied at Farnham and Farnham was the, one of the only places that I found that had a C41 machine, which is, um, well, these days, a, a lot of photography is digital and Not a C41 right. machine is a machine that develops film. Um, and a lot of universities have kind of got rid of them over the, over like, since like 2000, since like digital cameras came in. Um, and this was one, I think it's one of six in the country that have, uh, it's a university that has one of these. So, um, yeah, I was in there all the times in the dark rooms and stuff and uh, still tinkering away and stuff like that. Well, because you are a tinkerer and mm. now you're a tinkerer of cocktails, yeah. we'll go into that. Um, <laughs> did you feel that moving from sculpture and also go-kart, you know, mechanism, mecha <laughs> mechanic, Mechanics, whatever that yeah. word is, me yeah, mechanist, yeah. Um, that you missed using your hands to create something as you went into yeah. photography? Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, I mean, I, photography is, is weird. It's this like big envelope of um, media, of, of art essentially that you can kind of get into. Um, and I think, you know, what, what I didn't like about photography is that you can, you can shoot something very, very quickly and print it out and put it on a wall and say, hey, this is my art. Um, whereas I wanted to be a bit more hands-on. So actually a lot of the artwork that I did at university was um, to do with the, the kind of impermanence of photography. Mm -hmm. um, so I, 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 I shot a lot with, um, I, well, I, I printed a lot onto thermal imaging paper, which is the same kind of paper that you get in a receipt roll. So there's no ink, it's heat that actually like makes the image. And over time, these things degrade, especially if you leave them out in the sunlight or if you put them near a heat source and stuff. So I made a few kind of installations that would destroy themselves through oh. time. So you'd leave them like uh, they'd, yeah, they'd, yeah, be, yeah. they'd be up on a wall near a window. And then over time, they'd kind of gray out and they'd be completely destroyed. So Ephemeral. So yeah. it's there one minute and then kind yeah. of like a cocktail. It's there one minute right? and then yeah. it's on the next into someone's, yeah. you know, down someone's throat. <laughs> I love it. So... How did this, I, I'm going to guess, but I'll probably be wrong. On the side, were you bartending um, to make money? Kind of, yeah. Uh -huh. Well, I mean, I to make money being a photographer, you have to sell your soul to like the wedding industry. Um, if, if you're not like incredibly talented, yeah. and I, I wasn't incredibly talented by any standards. Um, so I really, I tried this wedding game thing. Um, and it's a lot of hard work and I really hated it. And, you know, you have to, you really do have to sell your soul to it. And so every kind of struggling artist kind of leans on booze at one point or another. Um, and I found myself, you know, in bars more, talking with bartenders more. And I did get one or two kind of like part-time jobs and stuff, just just like cleaning glasses and picking up glasses and stuff. And then, and then it wasn't until I finished my degree that I really like properly got into cocktail bartending, which was, which is in Guildford. There's a little bar just over by the, um, by the theater, which was called Barda's Arts. Um, and it's, um, it's, it's like a two man, two man bar, um, probably like 10 seats, but it was like the swankiest cocktails in Guildford. Uh, like all the other bars were doing like two for one drinks and all this stuff and like pictures and stuff like that. And this was the place that was actually doing like proper Negronis, proper old fashions, all this stuff. And, um, being next to the theater and being a kind of a, Guildford is a music town. Like all the colleges there are either music or theater or musical theater. So all the guys who are working there were really over the top, like really engaging. And, you know, they're all either actors or musicians. So I really kind of got along with everybody and I really fell in love with it because of the way they were selling it. Um, 
And yeah, it just kind of took off from there, really. It was it was a kind of thing where I could still flex that kind of artistic muscle. You're making something, you're using your hands, you're talking with people, you know. It it, it was something that I really kind of pretty much instantly fell in love with. It was like, why, why am I making art for myself that no one's going to see when I can be in front of people every day and every night and, you know, make people happy that yeah. way? So. It's really surprising because being an artist, a sculptor, um, any kind of artist, really a writer, it's quite a solitary job. Yeah. It's a solitary passion. Even if you are, you know, taking photos of weddings, you're still alone creating that. Absolutely. And so sometimes I would think people aren't so good at being outside that space or loving to be with other people. Yes. So yes, it's interesting that you, you, you know, you found that. And you know. yeah, I, I think, I think it was, it was more, you know, it, it's, it's that instant gratification, which you don't mm. get with, with art, with photography, because, you know, you spend six months packed away in your, in your space, in your studio, or you're like making stuff. And then, you go through the whole rigmarole of like inviting people and getting people involved and all this stuff. And then you, you finally have this one big day where everybody comes and takes a look right. at your stuff. Um, and then it's all done. And then you're like, and oh, they right, could hate it. Now? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> go, oh, you made a mistake. Whereas bartending, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's pretty much if you make a mojito. Okay. Yeah. Someone's going to like it or yeah. gin and tonic is not, you know, that kind of part is not but, so hard. And Making then, it well, obviously takes an art, but. But then you know, even if you do do it wrong and, you know, if you do make a mistake, you can correct it then and there. You know, it's mm. it's not something that's like, you know, you don't have to wait for reviews or wait for someone yeah. to say something or anything. You know, it's, um you know, you can you can say, how's your drink? And they say, actually, I really don't like it. I was like, fine, let me make you something else. Like, yeah, there's no there's no big deal about it, which is which is really nice, I think. Right. It's kind of like if Michelangelo had slipped while, you know, making the David, he would have to start it with a whole new stone. You right? know, it's right. Yeah. That yeah. too, as a sculptor. <laughs> so, Guilford, you were making drinks. Mm -hmm. Did was there an immediate call to London? Did you think um, that was where you needed to go next, or did you travel somewhere else? Well, be, being a being a photographer, um, in order to kind of be seen, I, I, I always thought London was the place that I need to be. It was either London or Bristol, and uh, kind of we, we settled on London because our housemates wanted to go to London as well. And we're like, well, let's all go to London together. Let's all share a flat and let's let's just do it. Um, and no one had any ideas what to do at all. So it was just the kind of thing where I was I was leaning on um, kind of bartending at the time. And um, we moved to Croydon, the the bright lights and dizzying heights of Croydon, and um, which was I mean it was fine. Um, South Croydon, there's there's like a little strip that's like they call it the Restaurant Mile. Um, and it's it's every single shop is a restaurant, and they're all different cuisines and stuff. And it, it was actually really really cool. I loved it. Um, and I got a phone call from uh, my girlfriend's cousin, who was just opening a hotel. Um, so she was a like a financial controller, uh, just opening this hotel. Hey, I heard you're looking for work. Why don't you come and try out? Um, and uh, this is the Mondrian, which was which was called. Uh, yeah, sorry. It's the yeah, yeah, it containers. was called. Yes, it was called. But it was called the Mondrian back then. Um, and I went to this um, <gasps> this this day where they had like I don't know, it must have been 150 people trying out for like 30 positions from all over. Wait, wait, the, wait, wait. Before you do say that, had yeah. you any idea what you were about to get into, or you just knew? Oh, this is a new hotel opening up. Did you know anything about any of the people involved? Yes, uh, I did. I did. Okay. I did my research. So I, I heard about this place. I did my research about like what it is, who's behind it, all this stuff. Okay. Um, Had you heard of these people before? I'd heard of uh, Marcus and Nathan, um, and uh, I hadn't really heard about Ryan or, or Ian, um, okay. but I'd, I'd certainly heard about Ma uh, Marcus and Nathan, and um, kind of had a little look at the the kind of bump and like look at what we're doing. Um, and had a look at what Dandelion was supposed to be, like in the pre-renders and stuff okay. like on their website. Um, so when you went into this room of 150, did you feel like, oh, my God, I've got like there's so much pressure or, oh, I don't really know that much about it. So there's no not so much pressure. Um, it was it was kind of strange because I I, I, I I didn't have a job in London at that time. Um, so I was just kind of sitting on my savings for a little bit, trying to find something. Um, I put my CV into like local bars and stuff 
And I was like, why, why not? So there actually wasn't that much pressure. Um, I just thought like, well, I might get a job out of this. So let's go. All um, right, back to the 150 people in one room. Yeah. Crying for the- <laughs> so uh, it's the kind of thing where everyone's in the same space at the same time. And you kind of start off in a group of 20 and then like 10 people go off and this, this speak to this person, 10 people go off and speak to that person. Um, and I got kind of whittled down to like six people. Um, and I sat on the table with Marcus um, and kind of chatted with him for a little bit and kind of talking about what I was doing and all, all this stuff. And I said, hey, look, I I really want to work for Dandelion. Um, I think I can be a real asset to this place. And the first thing he said was, well, all positions are filled. So there's no there's no way we can get you on. Um, and uh, I said, look, I, I don't mind just glass collecting or just like polishing glasses or whatever. I just want to be part of this team. And he said, look, you're not going to enjoy it here doing that. So I'm going to put you in the restaurant. So he started me off on on the okay. on the bar on the restaurant just next door, so over the hall. And um, that was really great. I kind of had one of the best people I've ever met was at that restaurant, which is a, a guy called Alex Casey, who um, he's he uh, well recently left, but he he was at uh, Mausch and he was the uh, wine guy at Mausch over there. Um, and he's this kind of six, four, big gray hair, Australian kind of string bean dude who was incredibly amazing with wine. And he kind of turned me on to wine. So I, I hadn't really kind of like looked at wine before until I got to that place. And I just kind of dove in. I did all my WSETs. I did like, I wanted to be the wine guy. Um, especially that restaurant, it, it wasn't like a, a Michelin star place. So it wasn't kind of like suit and tie. You weren't like serving people with mm-hmm. hands behind your back. It was very much more relaxed. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I fell in love with that. And then after about kind of six months or so, as with all openings, kind of, you get the shift in staff and people start moving on and doing other things and opening the next place and the next place. Um, and every time, so Dandelion was just over the hall. So Every time, we'd clo- every time we'd close the bar at the restaurant, um, I'd go and speak with the guys over in Dandelion. I'd just be like, hey, how are you? Trying to get to know people. Um, and I met kind of Aiden Bowie and uh, a couple of the other guys there who I really kind of hit it off with. Um, and James Wheeler and stuff like that, who was, who was one of the best people in the industry. Um, and every time a bartender left, I put my CV in to Dandelion. I was just like, hey, look, I'm just over the hall don't really need to do much like just like change a cup change where right, I yeah. work and yeah I'm here um and it it took about four or five bartenders to leave before I actually kind of had my foot in the door uh and and that was it you know it was, it was persistence more than anything I mean coming into um Mondrian I was really inexperienced taking a look at the other guys and, and Dandelion and stuff um who'd been working in the industry like really high-end cocktail bars for four or five years and stuff I'd had maybe eight months in a in a in a little kind of jazz bar in Guildford that no one's heard of, um, and kind of moved to London. Just like, hey, can I be part of this right. world-renowned team? You know, and uh, um, everyone was like, well, maybe in a few years, or maybe maybe in a bit. So, uh, yeah, it took about nine months, ten months for me to actually get a foot in the door there. And then since then, I I, I was there for. Gosh, best part of three years I was there. Well, was... while you were at the restaurant, were you also making cocktails as well as doing wine, or was it just wine, wine, wine? Yeah. Um, so, so it was really nice because we, I, I was part of the opening team, and we had kind of two or three weeks before we opened to get everybody trained up on everything and get the company ethos and all this stuff. And you know, it, it's an American company, so it's very kind of full on and very high energy, and you have to put all of your energy into stuff all the time, which is which is kind of nice. I've never been in that situation before. So, um, so yeah, it, there was a lot of cocktails. Um, all of the cocktail menu was designed by Marcus, uh, Nathan, uh, Ryan, and Ian. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really cool because we got to spend kind of quite a lot of really good quality time, especially with Ian, um, kind of training us up on everything and and kind of why does this taste good? Why is that good? And really kind of like the fundamentals and the basics. Um, we had kind of two months pretty intensive uh, real kind of connection with especially Ian who, who really kind of took us under under his wing um, and uh, yeah kind of 
laid the foundation for for everything cocktails that I now know, which is which is pretty awesome. It's amazing. Uh, it's like trial, like it's the best um, um, apprenticeship you could have, really, if you want to get into what you're doing and the world of high end cocktails. Now we could spend hours talking about your time at Dandelion, <laughs> but what do you feel was for the three years that you were there, three years, right? Three years just, that you just were under there, three years, yeah. just under three years. Um, I guess, how did you see yourself progress and what did you really take away from it? Uh, you know, from those, that time, what, you know, what, so tell me all I, that stuff. <laughs> so, so, so I think that the, the best part of what I was, I was really kind of thrown in at the deep end with Dandelion. Um, I knew it was a, an amazing place. Um, and when I joined, we we're about we we're about a month away or two months away from uh, the first Tales nomination. Um, and so uh, at, at Tales the Cocktail that year, it was best new international bar or best new bar at that time. Um, and I didn't really know too much about Tales of the Cocktails then. And then mm -hmm. I really kind of like researched it. I was like, okay, this is like the Oscars. This is crazy. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, it, it was the kind of thing where I kind of read about this and then I was like, Oh, I'm I'm part of this team now. I've got to be this good. There's no there's no I can't let the team down, you know. So it was it was uh, it was really do or die at that moment. Um, and very early on, Alex Lawrence came on board, um, and we kind of hit it off. And he's he was he was really good to me, and um, I was kind of seen as the youngster, even though I was a little bit older than everybody, <laughs> which is kind of interesting. Um, but I mean. It, in my bartending career, I was very much right, the youngster. Um, so, so yeah, and, and then being kind of, being kind of um, almost tutored by Aiden and and, uh, and and Alex and stuff, and and really being spoiled that way of like actually these guys are, you know, some of the best in the industry worldwide, let alone in London. Um, and and uh, I, th I think some of the best stuff there was the creativity. And speaking with kind of Ryan and Ian, they were all, they were very, very particular about what creativity was and how, um, and how it's very easy to be seen as kind of wanky or bartendery or, you know, kind of doing something because it's kind of stunning or, you know, because it's, it's Instagrammable or something. Whereas their, their creativity was all about kind of why? Well, why are we doing this? Why is this here? Why is that there? And why is every ingredient ingredient in this drink? Why are you making it this way? Why is the garnish like this? Why is the glass like that? Um, and um, after after about a year, we all had a hand in making the next couple of menus, which was really great. You know, it, it was the kind of thing where we'd all sit down kind of six, eight months before the menu is going to launch. And they'd tell us what the theme is for the next mm -hmm. menu. And then it's just a free for all. You know, you're like, encouraged to... Yeah, you're encouraged to kind of get lost in Wikipedia black holes and like go speak with um, like professionals and stuff in libraries and stuff like this and really go wild with it. And that was, I mean, that just appealed to my nature because like that's what I do for, for photography and that's what I do for art. So like this is amazing. Like how, how, mm -hmm. how, 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 um, how can I make this really work for me? So that was really cool. Um, and, you know, you're spending six months making one drink um, you, you really, you really get to know everything about why you're doing something, which is great. I guess, how did you find, because a lot of the people that I interview come from a food background or they always love food or they read about food. Um, was that kind of an easy thing to pick up? Because we'll talk about your YouTube channel in a second about using one ingredient, mm -hmm. you know, to make many, many different things, but did you feel that that came naturally to you about what to mix with what, or that was really the education that you received there? Yeah. I, well, I or think both. or both. <laughs> you know? Well, I, I mean, I come from a family where we, we're, we have a really good relationship with food. Um, but when, you know, it's, it's never anything too, too special or fancy. And my brother works in beef. Um, and he's a re he's like the chef of the family. So he, he'd cook kind of, um, Christmas dinner and all that kind of stuff, like six courses and stuff like that. So he'd go really hog wild with it. And it was his, his passion that really sparked, like, actually, like, why is this tasty and stuff like that? So mm. um, I never really thought about food too much. I didn't come from a food background, but it was the, it was more the creative aspect of like, 
taking raw ingredients and making them taste like whatever you want them to taste like or getting the most out of what you've got. Um, and being around the guys at Dandelion definitely changed my perspective of what things should taste like or can yeah. taste like. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it was very much, I, I learned on the job there about what kind of, how how things interact with each other, how ingredients interact with each other and, and, and how tastes have moved on from, from kind of what we had before. Now, did that lead you to start competing? Because I see that you won, and I always get this wrong, the Aukintoshin New yeah, World Order. Yeah, you nailed Order. it. Yay, <laughs> um, yeah. New World Order. Um, this one here. Yes, and you <laughs> were one of the winners. Yes. Now, I'm sure it's a very competitive place, I'm sure, Dandelion, as much as you know, we're, everyone is very helpful and, and um, supportive. But was that, oh, okay, you've got to compete now. Like, come on, go compete, Jack. Yeah, well, I, I think, the, well, the one thing I loved most about um, photography was the, was the critiques. So okay. you would, you, you'd put your work forward and you'd sit in a room of all your peers and they'd tell you exactly how they feel about it or like what you could have done better or how to improve or whatever. And I was completely missing that in bartending. And I think, um, I mean, I'm not a performer. I've never, <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't study drama or anything like that. And, and I never really thought that that was my thing. Um, but showing off really feels good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure everybody's the same. Like, yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was really pushed into it through Aiden, uh, who mm. was was uh, gearing up for world class at the time and and all the rest, and really looking at kind of the work and the amount of effort that goes goes into one of these competitions. I was really amazed with it, you know, and it's like, wow, I really want to do this for myself. See if I can do it, you know. It wasn't so much of a, I'm better than everyone. I really want to show the world. I was. Just, mm. It was more of like a, I wonder if I can. I wonder if I'm good enough you know, it was, it was more to prove to myself whether I could do it. So, uh, yeah, that competition was amazing. Um, it was, so we had to make a drink. Um, we was had to that, make our wait, own bitter. wait, was that your first one or yeah, it was did my you, very, very, no first way one. it was yeah. your first one. I was, <laughs> yeah. All right. So tell me <laughs> you had to make a bitter, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. we had to make your own bitters using, uh, Ockintosh and new make. So they, they sent you a bottle of, uh -huh. Uh, new make spirit and you, you made your own bitters from it um and you had to make a couple drinks and this is where i really excelled because it's it's all research you know and it's it, you have to you have to know what your judge is looking for what your mm -hmm. what the person on the other side of the bar is going to mark you on um and you know you're, you're never really told those things but there's there's a couple common sense things that are um that that are, are easy enough to kind of get your head around and uh you know ian and ryan are both seasoned veterans for competitions um and i asked those guys like what should i be doing what should i not be doing and all this stuff so um they were a really good help but really it was like it was like research mode it was just like click find something that you can really grab a hold on and you can sell and you can make a story about and that's what i really excelled at so it was um I wouldn't say it was easy because it took a it took a hell of a lot of effort, but it was it was something that really kind of clicked. Um, and fabulous that you won. It's funny yeah. you're the third person I've interviewed who said when you're doing a competition, really know what your judges like. <laughs> I should that should be one show. I should do one show on you know competitions. So yeah, yeah. So you won this wonderful competition. You're Dandelion, yeah. one of the most famous bars in the world. <laughs> what could then tempt you away? So this was, um, so I, I, as I said, I met, I met um, Alex Lawrence pretty early on in, in Wait, the kind of- as I take like a sip of my Negroni. <laughs> so what could tempt you away? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and uh, so, so Alex um, hails from Edinburgh mm -hmm. and he was working for a bar before he came down to Dandelion called Orchid up in Aberdeen. Um, and it was, it was kind of like their- um, their goal to make a house spirit, to make something for the bar. Um, and they'd bought themselves a rotavap, so like a rotary evaporator. I'm sure you've seen these before, mm -hmm. um, that allows you to distill at a really cool temperature and it allows you to distill things really, really quickly. So they had this tool that I'd never come across before. We didn't have one at Dandelion. You know, I, there was a few bars like Peg and Patriot in London that were using them. 
Um, and uh, I was really intrigued about it. So I started asking questions and kind of getting to know Alex a bit more and kind of, well, what's all this about? And he was like, actually, I'm going to clue you in on something. We're going to make a gin. Um, and I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like, amazing. When can I try it? When can I taste it? And um, we really kind of set, set a real kind of firm grounding in what our language is, which was all about, was tasting gin and tasting spirits and tasting wine and stuff. Um, he really liked the way that I talk about wine. I think I think the word that he um, fell in love with was unctuous. Um, <laughs> so it is a good word. And 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 so I was quite descriptive when talking about kind of what drinks taste like and and what wine does and um, uh, evocative emotions and stuff like that. And he was like, "Well, come try this gin, and uh, you know we'll, we'll talk about it from there." And at that point, it was just a foundling company uh, called Porter's um, that was, you know, we're going to make this spirit for the bar. It's going to be a reason why people come to the bar because we make it in-house. Um, and Alex got really excited about it. And it was the kind of thing that's like, actually, now we're doing this. We probably should share it with everybody else. And at that point, they've been doing it for about two, two and a half, three years, maybe. No, about a year and a half. Sorry, about a year mm -hmm. and a half. And they finally had some liquid so I could try it. And I was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. I started doing um, a couple of little pop-up events for those guys. Um, they, <laughs> One thing I was really bad at is, um, there's one thing why I was, a, I was a horrible photographer, is I, I really, I didn't value my time. Um, so I didn't charge people for what I did. So for, for a year, I worked for these guys kind of off the, so I was working it down the line. And then on my days off, I'd work for porters. Mm -hmm. Um, and I never sent them an invoice and I'd never, never like, they're like, we, we want to pay you. It's like, no, well, don't worry about it. Like, it's fine. I'm just doing it as a, as a favor or whatever. And, um, yeah, from there, I, I stuck around at Downline for, for another year doing this stuff and doing ports part time. And, um, it was about a year later where they were like, we can afford someone now. This is cool. Like, let's, let's get someone on full time. Uh, you're the only person that we could see for this job. So I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like cool and um the company itself was only was only four people at that time so i was mm -hmm. like the the fifth person I'm, I'm the only englishman everybody else is scottish so i'm 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 very much the butt of everybody's jokes which is right. i mean somebody's got to be um so it's uh yeah it it was really cool it was very organic i kind of fell into it um i spoke with the guys at dandelion i really love what i was doing there i remember sitting down with ian and being like, hey, um, I'm thinking about doing this. And he was like, dude, this is amazing. This is an amazing yeah, opportunity right. for you. I was expecting him to be like, no, like. You can't leave ever. Yeah, you can't <laughs> leave. You're sticking here. Um, but he was super supportive. And, you know, we, uh, I, I chatted with him a, a few times about, like, what to expect. Because I, I'd never known that side of the bar. You know, I never, I've never been a rep for anything. I'd never known that kind of ambassadorship. You know, you, you get to speak with a load of ambassadors on the bar, but like nothing really kind of day to day. So, well, it sounded like you were doing it anyway, not realizing <laughs> that you were doing it, but on that yeah. weekends and all that, you know. Yeah. And I yeah. remember it's, um, I think it's two and a half years ago, Tales on Tour in Edinburgh because yes. Porters had an event. Yes. And that's when I first was introduced to it. And mm -hmm. I went to that event and I was like, this is really good. And I had a little conversation, <laughs> I think, with Alex in the hall with my little tape recorder. And I think it's yeah. somewhere on, you know, one of my podcasts somewhere, <laughs> you know, way back when. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was the first time. And that was when they only had one expression or maybe yeah. I was wrong. They may have had the old Tom as well. But yeah, it's it's been a while. They've they've done really well. You've done really well. That's so wow. So what was it like, the transition of being who you are now, the, it's, you know, the brand ambassador. It was, it's, um, it's actually very, it, I thought it was going to be a big shift, but actually, um, you know, you were doing all those things anyway. So it, it, mm -hmm. it wasn't that much of a, a jarring, uh, difference. I think the main, the main difference is the way you use your creativity is completely different. And, uh, you, you know, the way that you wake up is different, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, work, working at a bar, you get there at 4 PM, and you're there until three in the morning, uh, right. you know, and, and, you know, answering emails at, at nine o'clock, you know, being at your desk at nine o'clock is, is not an energy that I was used to. Um, and so that, that was the biggest difference. I think that was the biggest kind of change, but um, 
the creativity and the innovation and the way we talk about drinks, what the way I talk about drinks anyway, has has changed dramatically um, because it sound, this is going to sound a bit weird, but like I was kind of focused on what I was doing here and I had my little box of ice and, you know, my, my cocktails mm-hmm. and stuff that I was making. And now all of a sudden you're kind of opened up to what the world does. And, you know, we're quite fortunate now. Well, we've been working very hard at it, but we're, but we're in 14 countries now. And, you know, this is something which was when I started, we were here in, in the UK and we were in the Netherlands because we had some, we've got really good friends over there and all that stuff. So it was, it's something that is really, really different, you know, looking at things globally instead of just like your little part of the world. Um, that's the biggest change, I think. Um, and it, it's, it's still pretty overwhelming uh, because you look at the kind of bartending, the bartending community as a whole globally, um, even though it's amazing to go to new places and new towns and new cities, new countries, and you say, hey, I'm a bartender, or like, I used to be a bartender here, or I used to work there. And they're like, oh, amazing, like, come see um, my friend's restaurant, and let's go here for a drink and that and stuff. You have this like global um, kind of family. Um, You suddenly realize that your town that you're in, you know, is a very small speck compared to the rest of the world. Um, And that makes you feel pretty, pretty humble, you know, that, that, that there's so much more out there um, and, you know, you can always do more, which is, which is a big, big kind of concept for me. Um, but yeah, well, it, 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 it's, yeah. No, no, I was going to say, well, let's talk about the spirit itself and how you've seen it grown. Mm. When you started, was there just one expression, the gin? The... Yeah. So it was, it was the modern classic. Mm-hmm. And what really kind of turned me on with it was that they're using cold distillation as well as, right traditional distillation so modern classic so (laughs) having this modern Uh technique and this classic technique put together Mm -hmm. um and what really turned me on was that people that well the guys behind it so ben and josh and alex um had really thought about why and where they want it drunk um it wasn't just like hey we've got a shed and loads of spare time we're gonna make a gin and just put it out it -hmm. was very much like what do we want this drunk in? How do we want it drunk? And who do we want it drunk by? Um, and I've, n- I've never seen a company, well, a spirits company do that before. I've never known of a, a spirits company do that before, especially a, a brand new one. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and it, it, the fact that the all the stills and stuff are underneath the bar um, was, was pretty cool. I'd never seen that before either. Um, you know, and, and having to, I went up to Aberdeen and had a look at the place and had a look at the, we call it the micro distillery mm-hmm. because it, it is, it's a stock room that's been converted into a little still, uh, a little still room. Um, having a look at all the, uh, like all, all the attempts at, at making something delicious. So they have like a, it's like a library bookcase, but it's full of distillates. And this is like a, it represents like a year and a half worth of experimentation. And some of them are like, grass from the common like outside the bar right. uh, some some of them are like um like old fruit left lying around some things are like lost and found so like stuff that people have left in the bar or whatever um and you kind of have a look at these and it's like wow this is like i never really thought about this systematically mm-hmm. um and it wasn't until josh got hold of buddha's hand which i really kind of was like that funny looking um, fruit, which they can find on your Instagram. Yeah. Right? Which yeah. I had never it, seen it before your Instagram. I was like, It's what? super weird. I actually a... thought that was a vase. I thought that was like a vase <laughs> sitting there. And then you said, this is a fruit. Yes. Yeah. It's never a, seen it's it before. A, it's a citrus fruit from China. Uh-huh. Um, and it, it's, it's one of the oldest citrus fruits in the world. It's like the great granddaddy of lemons and limes. Um, and it, yeah, it looks like a tentacle, like a big octopus, yeah. big yellow octopus. It looks like an art project. It's a sculpture that you yeah. could have made in your <laughs> class, right? <laughs> and, you know, it, it, what we think of citrus fruit, we think of like sharp and tart and sour. Mm-hmm. Whereas this this fruit has none of that. There's no flesh. There's no juice. It's just like peel. And trying to peel one of those things is obviously not not easy. Um, and so it was like, why? What? Uh, okay. Um, and that really kind of, it, it, it ticked a couple boxes in my head because like these guys have really thought about what they're doing. They're not afraid to be 
you know, out there and, and kind of a little bit strange, but also mm-hmm. it's still very classic in its approach. It's, it, you know, the, the overall gin and the overall liquid itself is still very, you know, I, I feel like I've had something like it before, which is at the time, um, kind of craft gin was was very kind of polarizing. It was very one dimensional. You know, you'd have you'd have gins that were very earthy or herby or um, very, very citrusy, but mm. you wouldn't necessarily have stuff that's very, very well balanced because, you know, the big guys have got that right. sorted. So why right. why try and make something like that? Um, so, yeah, I, I, w- I was really turned on to the way that the way they thought that, um, you know, we want to make something that's classic and approachable but still being kind of pushing the boundaries and still kind of modern um, and and w- without being kind of one dimensional, which was without being cliche, which was which was one thing I was always trying to avoid at um, university and at, like making art and photography, right. always trying to avoid cliches. Of course. <laughs> so, oh. yeah. And so was, was there next was the old Tom and now Orchard. So I guess yeah. they took that approach with with the old Tom it being tra- tropical. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So the old. Yeah, the, the old Tom. Um, the old Tom started off as a bit of an argument, actually, um, which was which was interesting. I mean, the the way that we kind of do new product development um, is that we all sit down on a table uh, at the bar in in Aberdeen with a bottle of whiskey, and we discuss, and then the bottle of whiskey gets drunk, and no one leaves until we find out what we're doing next. Um, and it was probably like an hour or two in. And we we're all getting a bit frustrated going around in circles and stuff. And Alex stands up and just goes, you know what? Let's just make a tiki gin. And just like storms out, goes for a cigarette. And, and, and then everybody else in the room is just like, huh, maybe we could do a tiki gin. So it, going through that kind of process of like uh, what, uh, what is That's tiki, why it's tropical. Oh. Yeah. And, and seeing that, you know, we're not one for doing something that other people have done. Um, you know, what's the point? <laughs> that, that's one thing that we all learned from Dandelion. It's just like, mm-hmm. if you see a picture of it or if you hear of it, it's already too late. To right, of course. Somebody else has already done it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, go, going through the process of, of like, what can we do? Um, and then looking at kind of drinks trends at the time. And still now, um, you know, the, the Porn Star Martini is, is the most popular drink in the world right now. Um, or is, the, is it just the UK? I think it might be worldwide. Uh, yeah, it's between that and always the pina colada, I think, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so um, we, we were thinking about like passion fruits. Uh, and that's mm. like something mm. that not everybody is aware of. And you don't really see a lot of generally. Um, I mean, I, I was just over in the States, well, in, in January before everything was kind of locked down. And um, no one over there knows what a passion fruit is. Or what it tastes like. It's that's so funny. I haven't been. I haven't lived in the states for seventeen years, so I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. remember actually one of my first drinks here uh, was a um, a porn star martini with chili. So it was a little nice. twist on it, and that used to be my drink all the time. Mm. And maybe it's because I didn't have that much passion fruit in, in New York. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. So like, ah, so that's why I like it so much. Yeah. yeah. I, so yeah. So the whole idea of that was. Mm. You know, we wanted to make something that that we know people are going to enjoy, but also without being twee and and kind of cliche of all the gins that were coming out at the time, which was like rhubarb and ginger and all this stuff, mm. and make it pink and all this stuff like that. Um, so we wanted to be as playful as pink gin, but without being too on the nose as that. Um, so yeah, we we went to went to a really cool company uh, called Treat, um, who uh they're they're flavor scientists basically which is the coolest title i think anyone can have um and um we we tried distilling passion fruits in-house underneath the bar and when you distill passion fruits they end up tasting like grass because there's so many more different flavors in there and like the skin and the husk and, and and the seeds and all that stuff um it doesn't end up tasting like passion fruit and the taste that we wanted to get at the end was this kind of porn star-ish passion fruit bomb that we wanted to kind of incorporate in. And um, if we wanted to make that in the in the, uh, in the the stills that we had, we'd end up kind of spending loads of money making it that each bottle made would cost like 120 right. quid. Mm-hmm. And no one's going to pay 120 pounds for a bottle of gin. So we had to think kind of laterally and think in a more kind of modern way. Um, so we went to this company, Treat, 
and they make kind of ridiculous things from uh, fruits and vegetables and things. One thing they do is they they isolate chemicals from um, discarded fruit and veg from the from the um, food industry uh, and turn it into industrial compounds. So one thing I I always like talking about linalool. Um, linalool is a, is a flavor compound in lemon skin, and it's also found in like coriander and like it's, it basically tastes like lemon. Um, mm. But its secondary property is that it's a really good degreaser. So you you actually find it in about eighty percent of all cleaning products in the world oh, have this thing. So like when someone says, "Oh, this gin tastes like dish soap," or it tastes like washing up liquid or whatever, oh, actually, that- yeah, it does. It does taste like that because they have this same compound. Um, and actually, if anyone does say that, you're like, got a really good palate. Like, uh, I would never, never have thought about, like, well, first off, drinking dish soap, but yeah. also, like, uh, yeah, it's not it, a good sales tool, though. <laughs> no, you know, our gin tastes like dish soap, right? <laughs> no, no. So, so yeah. So we went to these guys and we said, um, hey, we really want to make this uh, passion fruit. Can you do something uh, for us? And they're like, yeah, sure, why not? Um, Josh at the time, so Josh, Josh, like seeks out all our new opportunities and stuff. Um, and he went to go meet them and he went up into the labs and kind of talking with the guys. And there was this little bottle that was just called cucumber. It just had cucumber on the label and it was probably about this big. And it was like, oh, that's interesting. Opened it up and it's like a cucumber absolute. And uh, they were like, what have you done? I had to turn on the extractor fan and like evacuate the building oh, and stuff. Oh, no. Because like, this is what they do. They yeah. deal with like industrial right. kind of scales and stuff. Um, so we are actually one of the first people to actually make something like this with them, um, which was really nice. You know, we, we, we kind of, we deal with the obstacles that we're given, um, in this real kind of modern way. And, and rather than putting our hands up and being like, oh, well, we can't do it because we can't do it in house. We'd much rather, you know, help somebody else or work with somebody else to make something that is truly unique or truly kind of one of a kind or whatever. And that's how, that's how kind of um, old Tom got born. The, the tropical old Tom got born. Um, and then much, much more recently, this little puppy here, the, the orchard, um, which was born out of our entire, our entire company loves champagne as I'm sure pretty much everyone in the world does. But um, what we really love is uh, Rune Art Blanc de Blanc. And that's Alex's kind of like Achilles heel. Um, and uh, so we wanted we wanted to emulate kind of the flavors in a really good Blanc de Blanc champagne into gin um, and and make something that was really kind of special in that respect without being gaudy or kitsch or kind of one dimensional. Um, and so, yeah, so we, we were using apple and pear alongside like a black soy distillate as well. So black soy oh. being kind of bready and yeasty and very much kind of like autolytic flavors that mm-hmm. you get from mm-hmm. champagne um that's that part and then the the apples and pears being that kind of bright fruit kind of nose that you usually get with with a really tasty uh blanc de blanc champagne um so yeah again we're we're, we're working with treat again for that um but we're making our uh black soy distillate underneath the bar so that's that's where we where we do this so we marry up these kind of the best of everything that we can find we put it all together rather than making something kind of subpar in-house that we're not really happy with but because we made it in-house you know this is our thing um we'd much rather make something that's kind of knockout amazing um of course yeah yeah i mean so that's, that's uh, why you were all drawn to dandelion a knockout yeah. amazing place but <laughs> One thing that I can't leave you without discussing is yeah. your your new YouTube channel. Yes, yeah. And where now it's it's one thing drinks. So you one take thing. one thing and you make three cocktails. Yes. One yeah. super simple, one make it tasty and one ultra fancy. Yeah. Where you do get out all of those things like the sous vide and the yeah. this that, and the other. Why did you feel that you wanted to start these? So th- this was actually born out of lockdown. So um, <laughs> as I'm sure you're, you're aware, as many many of the listeners are aware as well, um, you know, during lockdown, every brand ambassador, every bartender took to Instagram Live and Facebook Live. Like, this is how you make a Manhattan. This is how you make an old fashioned. And, you know, that's that's great. I mean, it's wonderful. You have to kind of have that, that uh, creativity release. 
Um, and I started a show on Instagram, which you can find on Porter's Instagram, um, called uh, One Thing Wednesday. So every Wednesday at three o'clock, I take one thing and I make three drinks from it. Um, and it's about like 15 minutes long per thing. And it's completely live. So unscripted, all this stuff. And um, it was really good. And I loved it. And it was an opportunity for me to kind of try new things. And during lockdown, it's, it's really it's really easy to get stuck in a rut and be like, well, I can't leave this house. I can't you know, see new stuff. I can't go to my favorite bar. I can't talk ideas with people. And so being forced to make three brand new drinks every single week um, you know, was a real kind of creative process that was that was really beneficial, actually. Really got kind of, I was thinking about the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one. Um, so I did this for uh, 26 weeks. So it was a kind of thing that was just like, hey, yeah, let's do this. And it went really well. Um, and I pitched this idea to the guys um, at Porter's, uh, be like, hey, I really want to elevate this. I really want to make it something that has a bit more um, a bit more pizzazz, you know, something that's a bit more, um, accessible, I guess. Um, and, and YouTube was the, was the platform to do that on. And I wanted to step up the production value and step up kind of what we were actually doing, um, mm-hmm. and make it a bit more kind of timeless, I guess, rather than kind of me and my garden chatting about gin, you know? Um, and so I really wanted to include other brands as well. Um, we're, you know, however much I'm a, I'm a, I'm a brand ambassador and that's what I do. Um, I can't ignore the fact that there's, there's amazing people doing amazing things all over. And hence why we've got Baldoria up here. Um, yeah. Which, uh, and I saw in glass house speak and yes. also a, one of the tequilas that I have over here. Nice. Which, uh, this one, but yes, it's not, it's not, it. it's not in star position as Porter says. <laughs> yes. Um, Oh, you know, I think they're wonderful. And I love the the Dorito salsa can and, you know, (laughs) using using really what you have in the house. And just uh, it's for the ones that are easy. You know, not everyone has a sous vide machine or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever. I don't even know what they're called. The the way I break the drinks down is really good Uh as well. I'm 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 a huge advocate of, you know, bartenders aren't doing magic they're not magicians but however much they seem like that in bars with flashy uh, flashy bars and stuff like that and 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 cool tricks and things which not everybody can kind of wrap their heads around what you're actually doing isn't rocket science um it's it's cooking essentially um i don't i don't know there was one that had about and i don't have it i think it's one of the melon ones had about you know, 15 ingredients. And I was like, oh, you've yeah. got to be kidding me. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I want so, see, I want you to make that for me. Yeah, I don't want to have exactly. to make that myself. Yeah. 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 And I, I think, I think there's, there's a real, especially during lockdown, there was a real kind of push for making things which you've never made before at home. So a lot of people got into baking. A lot of people got into like making bread and stuff like this. Myself, uh, I, we've probably made, we're, we're pizza experts now. You know, we make the bases and everything, you know, uh, you know, we wouldn't have done that unless kind of lockdown happened to us. And so I think there's, there's a real, there's a real moment that we're having kind of as a society where, you know, the, 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 the skirt of kind of cooking and drinking is really being lifted up and we're seeing kind of, actually I can do this, or if I had enough time, I could do this or, you know, and that's, um that's something which is really exciting because all these people suddenly have the capacity and the capability to make amazing things at home. And that's something that I really wanted to capture. So, you know, the super simple stuff that I have, so each week is super simple, mega tasty, ultra fancy, super simple being that you don't need any special tools. You just need a couple bottles and maybe a lemon or lime if, if, if that's the hand. Um, and then the, me- the mega, mega tasty stuff um, is that you'd make a syrup or you'd make a quick infusion or something that doesn't take you that long, but actually is really impressive. Um, and then the the ultra fancy stuff is that that's when you really crack out the big guns and yeah. sous vide machines. Centrifu- and... No centrifuges, but yeah, not, not yet, <laughs> not yet, <laughs> not yet. And you no. know, it was funny. You talked about your brother being yes. um, being in beef, mm-hmm. and it was funny. I saw one of the comments on one of the videos. I think it was for the plum, <laughs> and it said because you always ask for recommendations. Yes, and I saw it said brony.com, um, and you just head on there. And you can send off a Negroni to 
any of your sorely missed pals that I'm sure, you know, everybody's missing people right now and not being able to see people, which is really difficult. Um, this is actually just launching in Canada as well. So there's, you'll be able to do that over in Canada as well. Um, it's basically 10 pounds that includes your packaging and postage. Uh, you get to send a really nice kind of um, uh, note that goes with everything as well. So you say, whatever you want to say, if it's an in-joke mm -hmm. or something that only yeah, that I have a little card. They also yeah. sent me a taster of the Orchard Gin, which I'm going to try yes. in a sec. There you go. Uh, uh -huh. And uh, yeah, so you can send a Negroni to someone, which is, and it comes through the mail. Um, it's not like you have to go pick it up or it comes in a package or anything. And it's really nice to surprise people with. Um, it's been going really, really well. We've, 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 we started it off as a bit of a like, I wondered if people would, would take this. And actually it's it's going great guns. Um, and so you can choose from a classic Negroni, a um, tropical Negroni, or you can get a bag of five Negronis. Uh, so if, if you're sharing in a house or if you fancy treating someone, you can buy them five Negronis, um, which is really, really cool. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's something that we wanted to do to, um, you know, have that little bit of connection that you wouldn't possibly get otherwise um especially with kind of bars being closed and stuff um so so yeah it's 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 something that we wanted to you know make people aware that you know you can still have a drink with your friends rather than mm -hmm. you know the the alternative and it's nice to be having the same drink with friends exactly exactly the same yeah. exact drink you yeah. know at the same time during your zoom call that you have exactly you know and both experience it yeah so I am definitely going to send Negronis. I think it's a great Christmas gift as well. So exactly. everyone may be getting Negronis for me. <laughs> and um, it has been such a pleasure to have you on the show. It has been so nice to hear your your how you got where you did. And um, and I hope to see you in the bar very soon so we can have a re in real life porters. <laughs> All right. I'd love that. That sounds awesome. I'd love that too. So thanks so much. Thank you. Cheers. You know I couldn't leave Jack without asking for his top tips for the home bartender and where he would have a drink right now if he could choose anywhere in the world. I think firstly, glassware is a big thing. Um, you know, it, what I enjoy the most um, about kind of drinking at home is that you're using your own glassware. And, and I'm a bit of a fiend for like secondhand shops and vintage shops and stuff and going hunting for that like perfect little bit of glassware for this like perfect drink that you have um, really makes it go a long way. I mean, I have um, these little top glasses from for the from uh, Victorian times, which are like 20 mil um, gin glasses, essentially, but they are for gin and that's the only thing they're for. And I love getting them out and when people are over and say like, hey, this is just for this and this is amazing. Um, and I have like loads of vintage glassware and stuff from, um, from Bucks Fizz and stuff like that, which is, which is super cool. And I think that makes more of an experience than, uh, just a plain old kind of like Ikea glasses as well. Not that Ikea glasses are bad because I have hundreds of those as well. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I love that tip. Okay. If you could be drinking anywhere in any bar in the world, anywhere right now, where would that be? Um, so I am missing, I'm missing one bar in particular. It's, um, I mean, I, I hate uh, uh -huh. dropping names or anything like that, but there's, there's a bar in, up in Northampton that's called the Althorpe Coaching Inn. And it's like low ceilings, old school. It's been there for like 1200 years or something. Um, and I'm missing an open fire, dogs, and like ruddy nosed gentlemen singing bar songs at kind of like midnight, um, which I'm really missing. So uh, yeah, any of that local pub experience, I think I'm, I'm missing the most. Oh, I miss that too. We're going tropical for our cocktail of the week. It's actually Jack's favorite drink. And as he puts it, a proper blast from the past with a tiny wee twist. Our cocktail of the week is the Tropical Floradora. Put all of the following ingredients into a shaker. 50 mils of Porter's Tropical Old Tom Gin, 25 mils of lime juice, 10 mils of gum, which is AKA sugar syrup, 10 mils of ginger syrup, and three raspberries. Add ice and then shake, shake, shake. Then strain it into a highball glass with ice and then top it all up 
with 80 mils of ginger ale. Then garnish with a raspberry and a lime wedge. I love this cocktail too. You'll find this recipe plus more gin recipes and all the cocktails of the week at alushlifemanual.com where you'll find all the ingredients in our shop. Thank God both the Great British Bake Off and Strictly Come Dancing have found a way to be socially distanced. I don't think I and maybe this whole nation has needed them both as much as we do now. The soggy bottoms and the sparkles flying, this is all the drama I can handle. If you live for Lush Life, make sure you're giving back to the bars you love by donating or taking part in cocktail delivery where you live or visiting one now that they're open. Theme music for Lush Life is by Steven Shapiro and used with permission. And Lush Life is always and will be forever produced by Evo, Tara, and Simpler Media Productions. Which leads me to say the wise words of Oscar Wilde, all things in moderation, including moderation, and always drink responsibly and wash your hands and wear a mask. Next week, we're with an author, a brand ambassador, and a history maker, all wrapped up into one person. Until that time, bottoms up.